If you have been asking if healing is real, stick around and find out that healing is for real. And we don't mean maybe. My name is Tony. And I am Zane. And we are two witnesses and representatives of the miraculous gospel of healing. Boom. Bam. I'm Tony Myers. I am Zinil Frigoni Mike. And we are back today with another dynamic episode. Insightful episode. Spiritually awakening episode. Getting of out of that gospel. carnal mindset. Episode. <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's talk about this. We've mm. talked about faith. We've talked about belief. Belief. We've talked about expectation, expectation. And how all these things work together fluently. Yeah. Fluent one into Now, minutes. with those things working together fluently, what is the end result? Could it be, possibly, is there a chance of a snowball surviving a hot oven? So could it possibly be you're in God's rest? In God's rest. <clears throat> is that Maybe. even a remote possibility? Yeah. You know I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's this that this this is a this is a topic i think i would dare say that this is probably one of the most elusive aspects of power to the body of christ today to the average believer today because of how much how trapped they have been in validation exactly right and I was just yeah. going to add that, that, yeah. you know, and most people don't believe in this lifetime that's even a possibility. Hmm. That's but true. yet, we did have people that reached God's rest while on earth. Many, many. Anybody who walks in supernatural power, they live there. Without it, you cannot do anything. It's one of the things in particular that I mentioned in the previous episodes. That pursuit of validation was what caused man to come out of the garden. And yet we use it as doctrine. We use it as though it's part of walking in God. You've, that's what caused man to find himself in a desert. The desert of death, we could say. According to one of the master mentors at the Institute, the desert of death, where there's no water. Outside in the desert, man had to dig deep wells to find water. And that's the doctrine that we have normalized as how you serve and, 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 and how you please God. It's sad. 
even if you look at like New Testament scripture, you know that both in two Gospels in particular, one is Luke, the next one I believe is Matthew. No, Mark and Luke. Mark and Luke. Just before Jesus names his disciples apostles in both accounts, they make, they make sure to mention Jesus speaking about rest just before he does that. Which in the flow of the narrative means that you cannot be an apostle if you are not resting in mm. God. Is it possible to be at rest and at war at the same time? Only in modern Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> well, because that's exactly what they do, right? That's exactly what they do. And they're saying that they're in Christ, but they're at war with Satan 24-7. There's no rest. There's no rest. How? how... And you look at the fruit... The fruit is not one of peace. It's ne it could never be peace. You look never at satisfaction. Peace. Paul was satisfied in all things, in all ways, no matter where he was at. Right. Yeah, he lived was, the life like He was satisfied. Whether he was poor, he was satisfied. Whether he was in a shipwreck, he was satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> what came at him, he was content and satisfied. Exactly. Exactly. That is <clears throat> why at go... the same time he was mm -hmm. energetic and speaking forth the gospel. Yes, sir. It's the only way for him to be an apostle. To be an apostle, you have to live a life of rest. You have to live a life where you are actually a priest, and a priest does not struggle for validation. There is no record of a priest struggling for validation in Scripture. Yes. So, how many true apostles do we have out there? Let's, let's not go there. Stop it! Be nice! <laughs> no, this actually starts from... If you're listening to this and you have the title of apostle, forgive my brother Zane. Okay. <laughs> you that? The, the whole idea of rest starts in the God narrative. You know? But people don't really understand what it's saying because we've actually used the God narrative to try to say that God created the world through the narrative not really understanding that it is a temple and how it is actually communicated. Now, I've always, I've said this before, that the narrative, the Bible on a whole, let's say the scriptures, I'm actually referring to the Old Testament, it's predominantly written by prophets. So even Moses wrote Genesis, which means it's written through a prophetic lens, and prophets were seers. So, Genesis chapter 1, God is speaking but when we when we hear speak we think here instead of god is thinking god is envisioning 
he's envisioning the garden. That's the whole of chapter 1 to chapter 2, verse 3. There's an envisioning of the garden taking place. We know that this is envisioning taking place because in chapter 2, it says that, that what happened in chapter 1 is the history of, the, of, of heaven and earth before it was brought into the earth. Then it says that God breathed the breath of life into the man. Meaning, the flow in the narrative highlights a couple of things. Number one, every time God creates a day, it says, and he said it was good. Meaning, he said it was validated. He's satisfied. So that shows you when you're envisioning something, you have to be satisfied with it. Then, at the end of the six days, he says it is very good. And God rested. And God sanctified the seventh day. Because on that day, he rested. Rest there meaning that he was satisfied with the vision. We do exactly the opposite in the Western culture. And as a matter of fact, Jesus taught his temptation in the willingness to teach that that is what you should not do. It, no, no, many people don't even understand that the gospel messages like Matthew, Luke starts, Matthew and Luke, a little bit of Mark, start with Jesus' temptation in wilderness. But because we read it like literature, like a story, we never think that these guys have a story of Jesus in the wilderness before Jesus even chose them. They were not in the wilderness with Jesus. The, 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 in the Western culture, we read it like literature trying to find history. These are disciples of Jesus. The, the, the priority of a disciple is to memorize and live out everything that the rabbi says. Because the rabbi in this case is a representative of the name. Just like the Old Testament prophets, they taught disciples in the name. So the rabbi is the person who is exemplifying what it means to live in the name. So they imitate this guy completely. No disciple sits down and writes history. What he's writing is a strategic flow of Jesus' teachings. Which means when you're reading the Gospels, you are interfacing with Jesus' teachings. Therefore, we know that the willingness experience of Jesus was a teaching. Now, that willingness experience highlights three things that he pretty much taught them that they, should, that they need to look out for in pursuing validation. Number one is provision using provision to try to validate your sonship. That's why the temptation starts, if you are the son of God, then turn this into bread. The second thing is the one that falls squarely on what we're talking about here. He was taken at the pinnacle of the temple and he said, throw yourself down. Which means he was saying that you are going to be tempted to be validated by physical manifestation of spiritual things. They were taught that. That's why when he came off of the mountain on the transfiguration and they couldn't get the demon out of the boy, he rebuked them. 
because he taught them you do not validate spiritual realities by physical manifestation. So what he did after was rebuke the devil and then it says that he stood and he waited. And the boy looked as if he was dead. Everybody thought that he was dead. And Jesus reached out and picked him up. This is actually a teaching that Jesus gives. And if Jesus teaches, do not use physical manifestation as validation of your sonship or validation of the truth, we cannot use the same thing Jesus says not to and get results. And this is exactly what took place in the garden. It is validated in the spirit, which means it has to be validated in your mind. You are actually, the, the whole context of the scriptures is that if it's written by prophets, the unseen realm, the realm of division, is the real realm. That realm moves this physical realm. So when you, we have been taught in, 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 in westernized culture to incorporate all of these physical expectations. So in our minds, it doesn't register that the realm of the spirit, the vision, is actually the real, un, in eternal power realm, the realm that governs the physicality of the of the universe. So the garden narrative actually shows that number one, the vision must be complete. Number two, it should be validated. Now we have plenty of scriptures to do that. And number three, if you have to reach the point of being satisfied with that. Satisfied that that is true. And in the garden, only when the satisfaction took place, when it rested, did it say that it was breathed into the dust. It's clearly telling you that it is not going to physically transition. You're going to transition into the physical manifestation until you are resting in the spiritual truth and the spiritual reality of that decision. There's that word, decision. Decision. <laughs> it's a decision. <clears throat> it's a choice, a decision. You have the choice to make a decision. So when you're not seeing results, you've either made a wrong choice or you haven't made a choice. That is true, 100%. And most of us, by the way, on the first point, just train this in, sorry, I mean to, to, to cut you off there. On the first point, most of us making decisions off of pity, which is not an emotion of life. You want, you, you know, I'm saying don't love your family and don't love your body. But making decisions off of pity is not power. Making you decisions are off, sick, you poor thing. Here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and you expect let me healing. Stroke your, let me stroke your hair. <laughs> you poor thing. 
And the prophet Jeremiah spoke about that. You remember when Jeremiah actually wanted healing for something and he starts to accuse God and he says, are you a, a dry brook to me? And God responds to Jeremiah and says, if you will repent of this mistaken attitude of self-pity, I will restore you. Which means the self-pity, the, the, the pursuit of emotional validation is a form of self-pity is not allowing the power of God to take dominance in you. Because you're in, I, I hate to put it like this, but I need to put it there because it is the truth. In, if you're in self-pity, you are in Satan. And you cannot expect life from the identity of Satan. And that is not in any form or fashion to try to invalidate anybody or to place you in condemnation. It is simply a motivation for you to get the heck out of that zone. It's a decision. Self-pity is a decision. And once again, that's pointing to validate oneself is evil. Yes. And pity and all of that, once again, that's all a form of validation. All. There's just, just passive, passive pursuit of validation. The, the indirect one. The indirectly one of validation. So many times I see in interacting with other people those suffering are Credited with, oh, you have such faith. Wow. Now, if I were to do that, if Brother Zane were to do that, then we would be actually cursing you. Yes, we would. And not causing you to grow and mature. Yes, we would. That's a form of heat. Yes, because once again, faith, believing all of those things. When we know we're already in possession of them and when we make the choice and we see the vision, and all these things we've been talking about, now we're in rest. The fruit is there. Yes, yes. The fruit. So I cannot even, I'm incapable of even speaking as a sick person. Wow. So true. I am incapable of it. By its very nature. Now, the truth is, as soon as I'm there, that's when it occurs in the physical reality. Yeah. If there is a delay, I am still not going to change my vision and all of that. 
especially the satisfaction of that vision. You, st you stick that. Exactly. I will not waver from that because once we waver and we're looking for validation and we fall into the poor me and the victim mindset and, the, uh, and all of that which it entails, I'm no longer in God's rest. And who took himself out of God's rest? I did. Yes, you did. I think I think you see in this case here that it 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 and I, I hope that this message is actually coming across loud and clear for all our listeners. I I truly hope so. That you are a spirit being. Let go your obsession with the physical world and come back to spirit. And spirit means that you live in the visions of the mind. And you have been given the Holy Spirit. Therefore, every vision that you have is framed with the substance of the Holy Spirit. And that guess what? Because there is no such animal as faking it till you make it, folks. No, that's foolishness. That's called a lie. That's called deception. That's called... <laughs> you could there is no such foolish. animal. You are not faking it till you make it. That is not that is not knowing any Bible. Faking, if you're faking something, you are by default identifying that it is a lie. And the scripture actually says that the word of God is true. Just that your definition of the word of God is the Bible. Why is the def why is the Bible's definition of the word of God is your visions? That is that is why if you have to force yourself to speak the right things, which billions and billions of Christians do. <laughs> They're saying the right things that sound spiritual. But here? Mm -hmm. Exactly. They're not. Where is the evidence? Uh, let me just throw this on the table here. And this will leave them thinking with their very deeply. When God decided to give man helpers. The first line of helpers before the woman were animals. What does a helper do? A helper is a helper of the word because man in the garden is called word. That's what John said. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. <coughs> Listen to this. Listen up carefully. Stop what you're doing and just watch the screen. The helper is the helper of the word. The word is defined as a vision. Therefore, a helper is the executor of a vision. The Holy Spirit now is called your helper. helper. So if he's your helper, he's the helper of your vision. I'll leave that for you to ruminate on. Everybody so you could be speaking. Ruminate. You could speak a hundred words a minute. If your vision is straight, <coughs> the helper has nothing to help you with. 
It's straight talk. Amen. And we're leaving it right there. Ruminate on that indeed. Ruminate on it. <laughs> Be blessed. Be healed. And be a blessing. Boom. And bam. Ah.